1: Go to TireRack.com slash sports. That's TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. That's TireRack.com, TireRack.com, TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be.
0: I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.
3: This is the best of the Jason Smith Show on Fox Sports Radio.
1: Unfortunately, tonight, we have to start with this because, well, I got to give somebody credit. When you hit a home run like this, (laughs) it makes you look not once, not twice, not three, not four, but five times to realize... This was a home run.
4: Breaking ball hit high in the air to left field. It should end the game. Drifting back Sierra. Oh, He's geez. there. Makes the one hand catch. The ball game is over. <laughs> the Mets have lost in stunning fashion. Wow. They led six to one in the eighth inning, but failed to hold the lead.
5: Mets Radio
4: <laughs> Network. This was, was such a horrible...
5: You, just, you haven't you. lost at all. And now you're getting trolled. You know, they took a bat to you like my kid did to that chocolate pinata. You know, this, is, this is like
1: the end of Goodfellas when when Pesci walks into the room and goes, Oh! And
5: he knows. <laughs> and he just
1: knows. Uh, the Mets up 6-1 in the eighth inning. Jacob deGrom is cruising. Comes out of the game, throws 100 pitches. Mets relievers then come in to throw 34 pitches in the eighth inning. 13 strikes. <laughs> <laughs> and a 6-1 lead turns into a 7-6 yeah. deficit, and they lose 8-6 in a game that was in the win column. And Mickey Callaway, who I love, showing that, oh, I'm still going to bring in five or six relievers every bleeping game. Now we're going to get swept by the Nationals. And they're going to get right back in the race, and things are going to be off. 6-1 in the eighth, DeGrom pitching, you have to be able to end that. But they can't, because nobody can throw strikes. And it's here's one pitcher, here's another pitcher, and another pitcher. I mean, really, six guys have to come in and pitch in this game. Okay, but... We have the real highlight. Relax. I, I I have to. I have to. The real highlight from this game is something that you're really not going to believe, but it happened, and it's everywhere. And if you play that final one more time, <laughs> I will kick your ass. Tight shirt.
5: He's just going to play all the walks and and hits, and then the don't. pitching changes. Don't don't. Here's I another will. trip to the mound. Oh, I will. I got tre- a remix ready.
1: I will treat you like Fredo. You better play 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 the right
5: highlight.
4: Right Come on, now. I gotta
5: get him in line.
4: He was- Here's the pitch swung on a broken bat fly ball to deep right center field. Nimmo back of the warning track at the wall and it is gone! Goodbye! He broke his bat and he hit a home run! Unbelievable! Bang! Zoom goes Bryce Harper. It's broke! <laughs> Bang,
1: zoom. Bang, zoom, to the moon, Alice, you go even more dated than 1939. No kidding, how about that? Uh, Nationals Radio Network, part of their big come from behind win, Bryce Harper with a home run, and when you hear a broken bat, this wasn't he hit it and you saw like a little piece fly off the the barrel of the bat, no, no, this bat broke off at the handles, he <laughs> ran down to first base with the bat handle in his hands. With it in his hands, he ran down to first base, ball went over the
5: fence, dropped it. 406-foot home run, and the bat shattered in half. He had averaged a distance of 401 feet per home run through the first seven home runs he'd hit this season. This one goes 406. (laughs) I mean, we've seen guys
1: hit home runs like that before. Barry, well, bad example for Barry to say, well, Barry Bonds has done it. Yeah, no, not Barry Bonds. Uh, But... Bryce Harper. Mark McGuire? Or that, uh, Mark McGuire. <laughs> and, uh, look, all the guys you bring up that have hit broken bad home runs like that. Oh, what do they
5: all have in common? Uh, <laughs> Mr. Carter. Um, they had to go in front of congressional panels to <laughs> yes, talk about Mr. things they may or may not have injected or ingested or rubbed on their skin. Yes, Mr.
1: Helper. Very good. <laughs> so it's hard to say, oh, but Bryce, look, you know how good Bryce Harper is. He's just unlikable, but he's great. And to hit that home run, I mean, I had to see it three times ago. Really, that is the bottom part of the bat that he hit. And he hit it 406 feet.
5: It's it, it Truly unbelievable uh, uh, in terms of what we've seen, some amazing feats for those that have paid attention through the first two weeks of the season. because a lot of people staying away because of weather or other factors uh, thus far this spring, but for Bryce Harper... Added to the long list of highlights that'll torment you for years. Or at least until the end of the season if he decides to leave your division. Yeah, no, but then he'll go to the Yankees. And then he'll torment you there. Yeah, exactly. So now I'll
1: have that to worry about. So that'd be be okay. Because they'll replace Stanton. They'll get rid of him. He strikes out too much. Let's go get Bryce Harper.
5: Now we got Harper. But the thing you'll have to worry about first is whether your bullpen arms... Literally fall off uh, the All
1: Star break. You, you, I thought Terry Collins was rough, but I mean Mickey Callaway. Well, we were sitting there watching this here. throw
5: four pitches and come out of the game. Now yeah, we're sitting here in the Geico Studios. We're watching the the Sixers and the Heat and the great effort by Dwayne Wade, and and then we've got the the Mets Nationals on. and I thought you were going to go running screaming into the good night.
1: Oh, I mean, not not only did did the Mets blow a six one lead, but they burned through five relievers. And it's like every day, here come the relievers, and it's like you know. Guys, if they come in, save somebody. Seth Lugo came in and walked the first guy he faced. Fine. Let him Okay, you, pitch know what? you a second it's guy. It's six to one. It's six to bleep and one. Right. And then Blevins comes in, and then another guy comes in. You, you can't do that. You will get Terry Collins is going, You guys got mad at me because I brought in guys every every day. I mean, that you can't do it. You can't do that. Well, at this and point, we're going to get swept.
5: Yeah, at this point, he can only cackle so much because they're still 12-3. <sighs>
1: yeah, I know, buddy. But that was a win. That was a win. I know, but By the time we were filing our taxes, we we're going to have an eight-game lead on the Nationals, and now they're going to sweep us.
5: And it took a win away from me oh, and my fantasy team oh, and Jacob Degrom. That, buddy. Buddy.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry, buddy. You got the and Andy So got I've, I've already started in. to write yeah. an
5: Andy Furman like letter <laughs> to the Mets front office. Our buddy Andy Furman. Uh, you hear him here on Fox Sports Radio. He likes to write. Letters uh, longhand. Uh, I'm going to go back old school and do one of those.
3: Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show weeknights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
1: To get to LeBron James and the Cavaliers, let's have a different conversation for a few minutes about the Cavaliers' one nothing deficit. Because You've heard every opinion back and forth. Can they come back? They're cooked. They're fine. You've heard that. Let's have a real conversation. Because I'm not getting a good vibe from the Cavaliers after this game. I'm not getting a good vibe, yes, that a lot of guys play in their first game, you know, playoff game, a lot of them playing their first play game in the playoffs in a while, doing different things. They need the time to adjust. All of that stuff is true. But the one thing that stands out to me is how serene LeBron James is. You know, when he asked him about being down, one, he goes, oh, you know, Oh, I'm the wrong guy to ask. We're you know, we're usually not down. We did come back in the finals. He has been very calm when normally you would think, hey, we got to get our asses in gear or we're not going to go on. He was very passive in Game 1. He was passive at the start, didn't take his first shot until three minutes to go in the first quarter. By that time, they were already down by 14. Right. And then took three shots in the fourth quarter when it's like, okay, I gave you guys the game to get in. Now you're not. Instead of trying to take over, when they're down 10 going to the fourth quarter, he takes three shots. He was very passive. We've seen this from LeBron before. Last year in the playoffs, we talked a lot about how hey, I'm going to back off a little bit because we have this series. I'm going to allow other guys to make game-winning shots. And look, that's what we saw. I'm not going to take game-winning shots wait for Kyrie Irving to step up, and that's how we're moving on in the playoffs. But This is the thing about LeBron, and always remember this because it's always about what's next for him. A guy who is as savvy a guy as there is. If the Cavaliers lose in the first round, he wins because if they lose in the first round, it's a lot easier to say, our run is over, and now I'm going to go someplace else. Because LeBron doesn't want to be the bad guy. We've said it hundreds of times. He's not going to leave and be the bad guy in Cleveland. He's going to leave and say, look, it was great, but as you can see, we're at the end, losing in the first round, I have to go. So this is why you get the serene, passive LeBron, because it works either way for him. If they win, we're moving on. And we're going on to the playoffs in the next round, and we'll probably get to the finals and lose again. But okay, I'm get my eight straight finals, which no one has done and no one gives me enough credit for. But he wins if they lose, because that's how easy it will be to say, I'm sorry, I'm opting out, I'm going to go here, I'm going to go here, this is the next challenge, and I'm gone. He wins if... If they lose. Always remember that. Now you will look at this series much differently. Now you will see if there's a passive LeBron James in game two, why is he so passive? If you see a LeBron James that is not taking big shots, you see a LeBron James that's not unhappy or as unhappy as they should be if they're down two zip. You did not you will look at that differently. All of suddenly think about that, and this series becomes very, very different as to how you perceive it.
5: Well, it's all about a legacy play. It's all about perception. We've talked to you how many people that have covered him in his career in Cleveland or down in Miami. And the idea of his inner circle and how much he's got the rabbit ears, we certainly get that, right? The how many times has he told us his stats after a loss? and Hey, you know, I did my part. Like the perception always just stand back. I mean, I'm getting it done. And I'm wondering how much as we, we watch this series unfold, it, it's just going to be, well, you see, I don't have enough around me even though GM LeBron has been hard at work putting these squads together and making moves and trading out half of this roster in the middle of the season. Uh, you know, even one of those guys that went and had himself a big game tonight, but <laughs> that he could have had still in his in his squad. But we look at LeBron on the whole, he doesn't want to be the bad guy. He's always bristled at. I always wanted him to just embrace his WWE Heel turn when he, he went he, to Miami. I love, but that would have been know, the greatest he thing wants ever. To be liked too much, he wants to be liked too much. You know, you're always going to get the respect. You, in this case, he you know, people are going to like or hate you. You're too polarizing as the top figure in the game. So at some point, you just got to sit in the mirror and, and have a Stuart Smalley moment or whatever you need to do to get past it. People have to stop suing me over this barbershop. Well, though. I mean, look, it's suing me. As soon as you threaten to <laughs> sue somebody else. There's a million guys that have done a million shows, Uh, podcasts, or video blogs out of barber shops that are ready to just try to take some of your money with frivolous
1: lawsuits. See, and that's the other thing now. And that's the other thing that's a big deal about LeBron is that what has always been the thing, he's always made a big deal about going Zero Dark 23, right? Even this right before the playoffs here. Yeah, And, and now what's going on? Now he's dealing with all these different situations now, and now he's being sued by a production company that says it was cut out of his production of the shop because they talked about doing it. They got cut out and LeBron's production company did it. So now he's being sued. So now all the zero dark 23 stuff. Nope, no, no, no. We're going to deal with this throughout. This has become a thing. As Kevin Love said, his decision hangs over the entire team and he's not doing his best to push everything out to go. Hey, we're all in here and we are focused and we're ready. I don't get that sense from him. Now again, remember if they lose, he will take the bullets now and go, oh, LeBron couldn't get out of But he's not going to – it's not going to eventually come down to him because it would be, well, the Cavaliers weren't as good. It's not LeBron's – all this stuff. LeBron had a triple-double in game one. Sure. Are you going to blame him if he has triple-double? But wasn't aggressive as he needs to be. Remember, he wins if the Cavaliers lose. Always – uh, trust me, this series now, it's like putting on a pair of 3D glasses to watch a movie.
3: Be sure to catch live editions of The Jason Smith Show weeknights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific.
1: Joining us now on the hotline, MLB Network, Fox Sports 1, Baseball Insider, John Paul Marossi. And I don't want to talk about the Mets and the Nationals. I really don't because we blew a 6-1 lead in the eighth and we used 11 pitches and lost. But, John Paul, Bryce Harper's broken bat home run, I mean it. I don't know if I've seen a broken bat home run quite like that when he's carrying the bottom of the of the handle of the bat up to first base and it's at
5: 406 feet.
4: Well, first of all, I want to make this point. The Mets still have the best record in the National League. So let's not get too worried about it. They're still in pretty good shape there based on the way they have started this season. But tonight, I think, in many ways, if I'm a baseball fan in general, this night excited me because it really affirmed you're going to have a fantastic pennant race in the National League East between these two teams, and Bryce Harper is going to continue doing things that literally define physics, Logic, just about everything we've ever seen from anybody that's picked up a baseball bat, Bryce Harper can transcend that. So I think a lot of positivity there in that game, despite the result for the Mets.
1: All right. Fine. <laughs> Fine. No, now we're gonna get sweat. You know what, John Paul? I'm gonna call you at home in the middle of the night when we get swept because now the Nationals are gonna win the next two games. It's gonna be look at Mickey Calloway, all this stuff, blah blah. I see how it's gonna happen. I'm a Mets fan, I know.
4: Well <laughs> Here's the thing. I, I, I don't know that we can extrapolate all that much from, uh, again, one one lead change late in the game. No, really but that, that, that's seem. what
1: Mets fans do, JP. It's one I know. Game. I Mets know. fans do it more than anybody else. One game, it's like football. Oh, again, I can't
4: believe it. Again, you've got the <laughs> best record in the National League still, and it's the middle of April. I know it's not like having the best record in the middle of September, uh, but but there's a lot to like about the way they've they've pitched, the way they've played, and – I'll say this: There's nothing wrong with a little test early in the year. Let's see how they come back tomorrow. Let's we'll see how the how the mood is, and if they, if they really bounce back. And then if if they win the next two, or even if they win, even if they win on Tuesday, it, it tells you something about the newfound mental resiliency of this club, uh, with uh, perhaps uh, instilled there by Mickey Calloway and, and Todd Frazier.
5: All right, J.P., the big story that's starting to gain a little bit of a push. Obviously, weather impacting a lot of games, a lot of postponements and problems. White Sox lose three out of four uh, in Minnesota this weekend where you couldn't even get get to the ball yard if you wanted to. It was like one of those Green Bay Packers bring a shovel kind of days uh, to get there, but... Overall, we're still seeing attendance for games that are played down quite a bit from a year ago or the last couple of years where we have this great resurgence. Is there anything to be worried about, or is it just the early start that may be doing uh, a little bit of damage to the early returns?
4: Mike, it's a very fair question. I would say this. Uh, Number one, I I do want to wait a little bit more um, until... We get better weather, and, and because we have seen this in the past where when you get bad weather on the level that you're seeing it right now, it really does jumble the usual attendance figures for the entire sport. So I, I would be very careful to extrapolate uh, too much based on a couple weeks. But that being said, uh, I, I think that maybe there is some residue of the off season that there are a number of teams that are now rebuilding, and, and you may have some fan bases that say, you know what, uh, we're going to... Uh, step away for a couple years, or at least this year, or at least the first half of this year, uh, and say that that if you're not uh, going for it to win the World Series this year, uh, then I'll come back when you are. And uh, it's that's a very fair uh, attitude, I think, for for certain fans to take. I mean, everybody's uh, hard-earned money is precious, and entertainment dollars and family time. There's a lot of things that go into that, uh, and so I think that this is a reminder to a, a great many teams that eventually, maybe not every single year because there are those natural cyclical moments for for every franchise, but eventually you've got to put a great championship product on the field to draw fans. You have to do that. And uh, I think that given the way and the direction of many teams, it was a huge part of the offseason conversation because uh, maybe the overall interest in the free agent market wasn't where it typically is, Uh, I I think this is a a very strong reminder to those clubs that um, there are consequences uh, for the offseason directions that each team takes
1: let me throw this by a jp because this is something that that people you know I, I don't think is one of the top three things obviously yes the weather is uncontrollable when you have a bad april people are going to stay away tanking is a big thing because it's easier to unplug from bad teams than it's always been but now we are used to more convenience and better experiences when we go to sporting events and By and large, the baseball game experience outside of new stadiums has largely gone unchanged over the course of the past few, you want to go back 10, 15 years. Yes, new stadiums, there's new food, there's there's new things, but that experience has always been the same. I go to a Dodger game now, it's like going to a Dodger game seven or eight years ago. Tickets are expensive. Just going to a game and sitting in the upper deck reserve doesn't hold the magic that it once did because well if I can't sit up close well then you know wh- why you know why do I want to go and sit really up high and these tickets you want to sit lower are really expensive you're getting you know these tickets are all $100 a piece when you're sitting in, in the lower deck and you want to sit on, on the you know on the line, you want to sit not too far from the dugout. Right. So it's, you know, the overall, just like what the NFL fought against is, okay, the overall stadium experience plus the price of tickets, I think that's something that, that you know, is over the course of time, kind of drips down to the consumer.
4: It's a very fair point, too, Jason. And I, and I think that there is that conversation happening uh, at the MLB commissioner's office level. And, and I think that that exact, Emotion that you articulated very well uh, is, is the reason why there was that robust discussion over pace of play, and uh, I think the returns on that have been actually encouraging this year, where uh, games are a little bit shorter by a handful of minutes. Uh, it's not a half hour but it's it's something uh, and so I, I think that MLB is very acutely aware that its product or at least the way that fans interface with it may require some tweaking. To, to catch up to modern habits, uh, I, I do wonder just thinking out loud here that this this larger conversation about um, sports betting, where that goes, uh, Are you at a spot where in five years uh, that it might be legal to wager on what 's going to happen next in a game, and in that case, baseball, because of its very distinct uh, data points and moments, is actually from the standpoint of in game uh, gaming, if you want to call it that is is probably even more conducive to that than just about any other sport because you have so many different individual actions that are easily defined and and actionable and countable so uh, i i i 'm not sure where this all goes, but you're you 're asking a very good question and I think that we're all of us that love the game are thinking about that and, and we're we 're all adding up the dollars of what it costs for a family of four to park and drive and have hot dogs and tickets. I mean, it's, it's not a small fee. And I think that the teams that are um, uh, trying to get ahead of this are, are aware of it. And uh, really, I, I believe that that's why MLB is trying so hard to find different ways to modernize the game. It's, it's all about the fan experience. It's all about... Customers and and those business terms. We don't always like thinking of things in those terms, but I think you're you're very correct to ask the question and I think my answer is that MLB is giving it a lot of thought right now.
3: Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith show weeknights at eleven P.M. Eastern, eight PM Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
1: Earlier tonight, the Miami Heat proving once again what everybody said before the first round. You don't want to play the Heat. LeBron is gonna tank, so I don't have to play the Heat in the first round. The Heat in Philadelphia tie this series up at one game apiece. They beat the Sixers 113-103. The Heat had the lead most of the game. The Sixers never really mounted a huge run. Ben Simmons had 24, 9, and 8 assists for the Sixers. Meanwhile, for the Heat, Dwayne Wade off the bench with 28 points in 26 minutes. 11 out of 16 from the field and the Heat have now tied things at one game apiece. Now, obviously, look, it's one apiece. We go back home. Everybody who wanted to write the narrative of the Sixers, now it's, oh, boy, I don't know about the Sixers. But let's just say this because this really was a game about who wasn't there more than who was. This was when you can look and say, okay, they really missed Joel Embiid in this game. They really missed it because the Heat were able to get to the rack. Look, Dwayne Wade scored 28 points, attempted one three-pointer. Right, this shows you where he was able to do his damage from. This was a bad game for the Sixers, but it was one of those games where, hey, if Embiid had played, things could have gone differently. Not just saying, oh, we're going to in, but the way the game unfolded, the way it went, he was in there, he would have been able to affect the game differently.
5: Finishes as a 10-point loss, and they did push in a strange sequence of events where it seemed like Kelly Olenek was laying on the ground quite frequently after contact and just looking at the referee saying, do I get one call? Just one. Just one. And all these times after push shots that I get pushed to the ground and guys are landing on me, do I get a foul call? But it seemed like an NCAA game, you know, when there's a huge run by the home team and suddenly they can do no wrong. Well, we certainly saw that for a bit from the Sixers. But you, you look at what Miami was able to do. Remember, game one was such a blowout. The other way, so it was, ah, they're getting laughed off the court. Here, you get the throwback night from Dwayne Wade being asked in the game. It's like, how do you turn that on? He goes, the hell, if I knew, you'd see it more often, would you? It's one of those, I don't want to tell you, you just asked me a stupid question, but you just asked me a stupid question. So he finishes with 28. You end up with, what, seven players in double digits for the – for the Heat to to get you to the victory. So a uh, fantastic night for them. And at least for a moment, we can stop crowning, to take from Denny Green, stop crowning the Sixers <laughs> and Ben Simmons as the be-all to end-all. Yeah. I have mean, seen him compared to LeBron, hybrid to Magic Johnson, a lot of Magic Johnson today, just no matter what. And he had a great game, right? He finishes yeah. with some nice stats, and, and everybody walks home happy that they saw him do some layups where three guys are running with him. Like this is like watching my older daughter's lacrosse game at the age where you can't really do anything to defend. You just kind of run alongside them. That's what it looked like with Ben Simmons at, at portions of the third and fourth quarter. Like anybody actually want to get in front of him as he's driving to the lane? Nah, just let him go in and finger roll. But fantastic talent. But in the last two to three weeks, it's been over-the-top. Dan Byer and I talked about it a bunch on, on the Fox Sports Sunday uh, show that we do. Of they, they were paper champions in terms of what that long winning streak at the end of the regular season was. A bunch of bum slang two or three playoff caliber teams in the mix, and it's exciting, and everybody gets on board, particularly given the recent run of success with Philadelphia sports teams. But thousands upon thousands of words declaring them the – the greatest there 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 is, and and now the the dynasty is here, and <laughs> ah everything else. Like you know what, just just slow down. Let's get let them win a series before we get too deep into the hyperbole.
1: Eight seven seven ninety nine on Fox Twitter at how about a fresca Mike at swollen dome. look <laughs> tonight. Sometimes you can read into a whole series. Sometimes it's just one game. Look, tonight was just one game. Dwayne Wade, some of the shots he hit, it was like it was ten years ago.
5: Oh sure, All right? yeah, it he was had, the rewind game. Yeah, he had the one,
1: I, I, I couldn't see it, but one one of the defenders when he when he when they he went one way, the defender went the other, and he put his hand out like I'm going to help you up, like in the middle of the play when he was dribbling. I mean, it was one of those nights where you go, wow, this is what Dwayne Wade used to do a long time ago. And when the Sixers did cut it down, they never took the lead. Dwayne Wade hit a couple of shots, and then the lead blossomed back up, and the Sixers never really threatened again. It's just one game. This is just one game, but they need Joel Embiid back. Embiid went on Instagram after the game was over, and he said, "I'm sick and tired of being babied." I, I would find it hard to believe he's not in the lineup
5: for Game Three. I really, I find it hard to believe he's not going to play. Sick and tired of being babied. Come on, at some point, you just you're Joel Embiid. You're one of the superstars of the game and obviously a huge cog in the machine of what's been built there. I got to think you'd be able to talk your way back onto the court if you're truly ready. I don't need an Instagram post in between trying to flex at Rihanna or whatever the hell he's doing next. Just get back on the court. There's
1: still no timetable for him, but he was shooting threes before the game. He had the mask on. Really, I
5: mean, now at this point... rang the bell the other day. I mean, they got all this stuff. I, I, I...
1: I really, I, would, I would be stunned to not see him back for Game Is this
5: part of the storyline? Like really? we're building up towards a WrestleMania, another pay-per-view event? Hey, there's a couple of appearances. He's hanging out on the court. Here's some, yeah, he's, at here's the, some he's film. He's at the top of the arena. Yeah, he's like, he, he Sting. comes down. Yeah, standing there with a bat. Oh, my God, it's Sting! Look out! And then he doesn't do anything for the rest of the episode, and he goes back, and you see him walking down the stairs as they go to commercial. And then he shows up the next week and does the same thing. He's not actually in the ring or... Actively participating, except to be standing there with a long coat, of pa- a, a painted face, and a baseball bat. That's where we are with Joel Embiid in his mask.
1: We'll have more on the Sixers and the mask.
5: You expect <laughs> me to do to we my were, bane, right? I, I know. My hey, you know what? Madeline and I were watching it. She, she keeps rewinding to that, that bit that? when he yells, Nobody knew. What. Nobody knew who I was before I put on the mask. Yeah, big fan of that line. All these uh, years. Wait, when you were out
1: Friday, E Salam does a great Randy Moss impression. How about that? Hey, who, who knew, but he started talking like Randy
5: Moss. A little, I, little could, little I, I a little bit of Tennessee drum. Ray
1: Buchanan can't cover me. I I can't do it like him, but it was a me Throw me the ball. Don't me the ball. Ray <laughs> Buchanan can't cover me. But I I can't do it like like he does Randy Moss. But he but it's pretty good. Can't me cover ball. me. Don't <laughs> me the ball. That Ray Buchanan can't cover me. But I like I said, he was doing it better <laughs>
5: than, than than I was. You're um, starting to drift into Kermit the Frog. But, oh, oh, <laughs> oh,
1: Piggy, will you will you throw me the football? Oh, mm, mm. okay. So, wow. how about that? <laughs> it's time to wave goodbye officially to two people: Kawhi Leonard with the Spurs and Boogie Cousins with the Pelicans. Bye, for very different reasons. Today, as far as Kawhi Leonard goes. Again, San Antonio leads Golden State by four early in the third quarter. And Kawhi Leonard is dominating a 12-year-old on video games. He is. He's doing oh, I'll tell you what. He's playing Fortnite right now in New York, rehabbing that quad. There's been a lot of back and forth about Kawhi Leonard not playing for the Spurs. Is he healthy enough? Is he not? Greg Popovich says you have to ask his people if he's coming back. You heard a lot of defense of Kawhi Leonard from players today who have said, look what happened to Isaiah Thomas. The guy played through a horrible hip injury and look what happened. The guy came back and he's not healthy. So look how much money he cost himself. Sounds,
5: sounds like a take I had a couple of weeks ago. I'm glad the players are uh, coming on board. Well, you know, mm-hmm. they, they pay attention to me. They do. You
1: know? They just, when they don't like what is said, they get really mad. Okay. But that the thing is, is that that doesn't matter. There's such a divide now between the Spurs and Kawhi Leonard. Number one if he's not ready to come back, why can't he be with the team? Like, why can't he show, hey, I'm going to support you guys? now. not now a clean suit? Some coaches always have the rule of if you're, if you're not healthy, we don't want you around. But Kawhi Leonard has not been around the team. He has barely been around the team. And now it's at a point, now here's the playoffs. You're not here, injured, cheering on your team. That's a message. Right, we saw Adrian Gonzalez last year was in Italy while the Dodgers were in the World Series. Oh no, no, it's fine, it's fine. No, he's go- he's done, he's gone. Matthew. He knows he's gone. Look, Kawhi Leonard's not around the team. Yes, and the Mets lost. Kawhi Leonard's not around. There is a divide. You can tell Greg Popovich is not happy. Is he a Hall of Fame player? He's a really good player with the Spurs. Why? Because he fits in the Spurs system. He was not highly regarded coming out of school, but he does everything the Spurs do getting up and down the floor, playing defense, coming off screens, using screens, two, three, four screens per possession. He does exactly what the Spurs want him to do. But there's no way he can come back after this. Regardless of whether or not he's making a right business decision or he's making a horrible decision and and he's separated himself from the team, the reality is he is not there. And there's a big divide. And now they're playing in the playoffs in a series I guarantee you they think, no Steph? For them, we can win this series and you're not there. Kawhi Leonard's going to be an ex-member of the Spurs after the season. Just like there's no way Boogie Cousins is going to sign a contract and go back to the Pelicans. This weekend he had to shoot down rumors that he was going to Coachella instead of going to their first playoff game. Because he put a picture on Instagram of him on a private plane with a with a hashtag Coachella remix. And I was like, no, 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 he wasn't. He was actually going back to Las Vegas. Where his offseason home is, he's relocating there so he can rehab from his Achilles injury. Doesn't matter going to Coachella or not. I mean, I heard Coachella was pretty cool. But, I mean, if you saw Beyonce, I suppose that performance was awesome. But, Wait, you haven't streamed that like everybody else guy. in nah, this world? Why
5: not? I'm, I think I'm too old for Coachella. I don't, well, I you I'm didn't have to go. Nah, you could have streamed it online. This is nah. like the. That was that whole cockamamie street. thing you were saying about going to a game yeah, and experience. But yeah, but Coachella, you don't have to have the no, hippies around you or concert, the kids you be beating you up or anything concert, else. You got to be there.
1: I was barely, I'm barely young enough for Guns N' Roses last year. I, I Coachella is kind of like boy because Guns N' Roses I could go to and go okay. There's a lot of people my age. I go to Coachella, forget it. There's I'm a like, lot of people your age. Hey, there, Jim. hey, hey. Uh, are you are you somebody's grandpa? Can you buy us beer? I mean, that's kind of what Coachella is. Make a few bucks while you're and there. What are you talking about? You'll offset them. your costs. No, I'm sure and and and, and and guys and girls paint each other with glow paint and have sex. And, I mean, that's Coachella. You're saying that's a bad, like a uh, bad thing. I'm saying I'm too old for that. I miss that. There's no sex. <laughs> I miss that time. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because Boogie Cousins, again, is not with the Pelicans. Sources said today it's going to be tough for him to go to a... Uh, playoff game because of his rehab. He just got on a plane and flew to Las Vegas. And oh, by the way, Alvin Gentry said he wasn't cleared to fly, so I don't know what his situation is. So he's not cleared to fly, but he's on a private plane headed to Coachella slash Las Vegas. Just see the messages that are here. He's not interested in being around the team. And he's going to be a free agent. He's going to go someplace else. Because if you want to be a part of that, or at least to show solidarity to your teammates, you're there. You can rehab, you could be around the team, but he's not. You can show that. It's easy to. If you can fly, you can fly and be with a game. That's how it goes. But he's not. Doesn't mean he's a bad person. Doesn't mean he's awful. Doesn't mean he's doing a bad Same thing with Kawhi Leonard. But this is where what is thought is not the reality. And the reality is both Boogie Cousins and Kawhi Leonard are going to be on different teams next year.
3: Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show weeknights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. The Knicks coaching search.
1: Yeah. Is in full swing. It's expansive, and it's already embarrassing. All what right? do you mean embarrassing?
5: I mean Here's they're going to the talk deal. to Mark
1: Jackson. Nah, they're going to gonna talk to Joe Jackson. They're going to talk to wait, you. wait, which Joe Jackson? <laughs> Stepping Jay- out. No, they're- <laughs> not. Dun dun dun! They talk to Jackson Brown. Hello. They're going to thank uh, you for being a mixed uh, season
4: uh, ticket holder.
5: Not you. Are you there? No. Say a you. prayer. Not you. Is it the playoffs yet? Well the pretender, uh, <laughs> Phil. Phil. I miss Phil. Uh, no.
1: The Knicks are set to talk to the following people and not talk to the following people.
3: I'm Wilfred Brimley Knicks- <laughs> and I'd like to talk to you for a few minutes about diabetes.
1: All right, all right Wilfred, come on in and then you talk about diabetes and then tell me what your plans are for uh, offensively with Trey Burke, uh, you know, playing heavy minutes. The Knicks plan to talk to.
5: Hi, this is Melanie Griffith. <laughs>
1: The Knicks' plan on talking to...
3: And his name is John Cena!
1: Oh, too soon. Too soon. Come on, Nikki Bella. Come on, too soon. Too soon. Too soon. That's not right. It's too soon, bro. But they were together for like six years, he proposed, and it's over. They had a good run. I'm uh, uh-huh. out! Green protein, Amy. A Green protein. The Knicks' plan on talking to... David Fisdale. Sweet. Explain Mark, it to me. Uh, yeah, I am. Mark Jackson, Jerry Stackhouse, who suddenly is everybody's favorite coaching candidate, and former Cavaliers coach David Blatt. Jackson's going to talk to the team on Wednesday, Fizdale and Stackhouse this week, and Blatt will travel to the United States an interview with the Knicks next week. you are going to come into
5: the uh, fighter pilot music from Top you know, Gun like we used to
1: use. <laughs> and he's, he's got LeBron's dog tags and he throws them off the side. They're not going to talk to Jeff Van Gundy former Knicks coach, and the Knicks have gone through nine coaches and Chef Van Gundy quit. They're also reaching out to talk to former head coach Mike Woodson, who's currently an assistant with the Clippers, but things could change with Doc Rivers' situation. So the Knicks have five candidates they're going to meet with, and two other guys on their list are like, yeah, we're not going to talk to you. It's up in the air. This is so incredibly embarrassing because I know teams, and I want every team to listen to me. When you're looking for a new head coach, don't give me the whole, well, we're going to do our due diligence and talk. No, you can do your due diligence behind the scenes. You've known you were firing Jeff Hornisek for a long time. You got to f- realize by now who was your top target or two. You see any big time team, whether it's an NFL team, an NBA team, when they're going to hire a new head coach, you hear one name. You may hear two names at the beginning. Notre Dame wants to talk to. Brian Kelly, and they also could have interest in Kirk Ferentz, but then it's Kelly, 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 and that's who they hire to be their head coach. That's how the bright teams do it because it shows we're strong, we have a vision for our team, and we know what we're looking for. When I hear the Knicks say, hey, we're going to talk to everybody, it's you clearly have no idea what you're looking for. You don't know what kind of team you have, what kind of team you want. Come in and dazzle me and save us. That's what you're hoping happens. You know, whenever you hear names like this, I see a front office, and I know that has no idea how to run things. I you, Perry, I have no idea what 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 he's doing. I know Dolan. Look, Dolan just doesn't care. Just let me know who I got to send the next check to. I right? I know. I know we need a coach. You keep telling me we need a coach. He's back in the studio, I, working you know, on that next album. I'll do a song about the Knicks, but I don't really care about the coaching search. But this is embarrassing. When you hear we're going to talk to four or five, I mean, it, come on, man! Even the Mets didn't talk to that many when they hired Terry Collins and when they hired Mickey Callaway. I mean, there's so many school, so many schools in college don't do it this way, and they're less experienced than professional sports franchises do. This is embarrassing. When I hear all these names, it's like, listen, if Fizdale is your guy, you interview him and you say, David, you're our guy. You come in, he's got the vision we want, and boom, everybody is confident. And Christoph Porzingis is confident that he's the guy to get the Knicks in the right direction. Now, when they talk to Porzingis, he says well i i think the knicks will do the right thing it has got his fourth head coach in four years right i mean really this is embarrassing and the nick clearly i want teams to realize when you say we're doing your due diligence that's not how it comes off it comes off as we have no idea what we're doing
3: fox sports radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app